What up, what up, what up, what up? Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever time you're listening to this podcast. It's me, the DRE, Chef Day Cuisine, coming at you with the recipe menu Monday on Intentional Talk Radio Network. Be sure to listen to all the great podcasts at this station, including mine, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. You can listen live right now at itrnradio.com. We also have a text message number, so if you have any questions, whether you're listening to this live right now or listening to the recording from the podcast that you download, text us at 682-710-1101. That's 682-710-1101. And get any questions uh, answered, any comments you want to make. We're definitely looking for, you know, your response and feedback. Shout out to the over 50 plus countries that we're in and, and, uh, man, just flat out excited for, uh, August 1st of 2022, the first Monday of the month, the beginning of a work week for many people and the beginning of the week was yesterday. So hopefully you got prayed up. You got, you know, you took your time to meditate and you are here and ready to listen to the beautiful things that we have going on this year. So, um, I love my intro. So if, if, you know, forgive me if I, if I let it play a little bit longer, you know, it was handcrafted for me and it's a themed around, you know, G.I. Joe and Cobra. So it's just one of my favorites. Just one of my favorites. So, um, oh, in addition to that, there's some incredible other podcasters that come on uh, shortly after my show that you definitely want to chime into and listen to. And we have shows throughout the week. There's a channel on there that constantly replays different shows on uh, itrnradio.com. And if you're looking to get some more exposure, if you're looking to expand your business, if you're looking to get through a different demographic, a different clientele and a different audience, consider sponsoring an episode. Um, some of the great things that you get with sponsoring an episode on ITRN is, of course, you get, you know, my show probably has about 15,000 plus listeners and we probably have, you know, six figures plus um, completely with everybody, but you get an opportunity to get anywhere from a 15 minute interview all the way up to an hour interview. Uh, we do pre and post um, commercial reels for you throughout and, you know, two or three times during the show, you can do that for three shows. It's a very minimal investment. So, you know, if you're looking to get your name out there, support the podcast. I know you're listening. I know you enjoy it. You know, you can go to, um, you can, you can basically Google me, find all my social media outlets, but you can hit me up mostly at, um, my business website is Andre. I mean, heavily catering DFW.com. Um, you can go on there. And if you want to do any kind of sponsorship, you can also email me at Andre at heavenly catering DFW. I'll be sure to send you full package details of what all it entails. I have three choices. From uh, appetizer to intermiso to the entree and dessert. So for those that, that are that are serious and not curious about really advertising, supporting the black-owned company, supporting the black podcast, and really supporting the community for people of color. So just wanted to put that plug in there. I'll probably say it again a few more times. So when it's downloaded, it gets played over and over and over again. So excited to be here once again today. On this wonderful Monday, 
nice and hot here in the state of Texas. And we're going to be talking today's show about mental health. Now, we're going to be diving into some stories that I've read um, about different things that have been, you know, happening to people. And it's mostly going to be geared towards celebrities, but celebrities are people that deal with real life issues, just like us who aren't celebrities or us who aren't, you know, worldwide nation, you know, worldwide, countrywide, you know, status. But, you know, mental health, especially in the black community and people of color, has been one of those underlying things that doesn't get talked about as much as needed. Um, I know growing up, a lot of times there was something wrong with somebody mentally. You know, they would just say they're a little, they're a little touched or they're special. You know, uh, I've even heard the phrases, you know, they're, they're a little slow. They're different. But we don't actually address it. We go into seeing therapists and doctors and, you know, talking to psychiatrists and psychologists you know, doing more than just relying on big mama and grandpa, you know, to give them your wisdom and to give the advice. But sometimes you need a little bit more to really frame your mindset because each one of you that's listening now, you're a leader. And I, and and, and I say that because many people think that leaders, you know, aren't born, they're developed, right? Well, I say all leaders are born because that's where you start. But you had to overcome, you know, a million other your brothers and sisters that didn't get an opportunity to make it to be here right now. So that means that your purpose is, is there is a purpose in your life. There is a destiny in your life. I had a, a friend of mine recently with her son, um, 13 years old, you know, um, overdosed on some pills and tried to hang himself. And I'm like, he's 13, right? What, what could he possibly be dealing with that's so monumental? And then I get to thinking about it. I said, it's probably something that, you know, he just doesn't discuss. And parents aren't necessarily open enough or too busy or too preoccupied with providing um, with the growing, with the growing, you know, prices of, of inflation and the growing um, issues of, of, of having, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the capital that they don't really focus on, you know, the smaller things that are in there. You know, I mean, we're in a society now that, you know, it's getting way and way too prevalent and too many conversations of these people that are under the age of 18, 16, 12 years old, you know, dealing with 30, 40, 50, 60 year old people issues that they shouldn't have to deal with. And it needs to be addressed. Right. You know, um, we, we need to bring back a spiritual balance, you know, to ourselves, uh, not only as individuals, but for the people that are coming behind us, because you realize that what you're doing in your life right now is not for you in this current moment. It's for the people that come behind you. It's for the legacy and the people that, that, that come up after you. You know, we don't build these businesses and have all this income and, you know, build these, 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 these great platforms, you know, for us to use currently. We build it so that there's a solid foundation for the people that come behind us to continue to pick up the torch and still champion whatever that powerful cause is, especially for people in the black community, right? So we're going to dive some more into that, you know, because um, you know my, my, my saying, health and wealth is the future of my people and who are my people you listening to this right now. And so, uh, Colette, I see you came off mute. You wanted to make a comment? I certainly do. And I want to thank you for this topic. It is so needed. 
And the more I hear about this, the more I understand fully that this is something that has to be dealt with head on today, right now. Everybody is dealing with something. Everybody. Everybody's dealing with something. I do not believe that there is one person on this planet that is not dealing with something. And you have to remember, one, this is God's planet. And a black man was the first man on this planet. I never talk about Uranus because I ain't never been there. I'm telling you about this planet. Uh, I was just talking to Danny Glover. And he was telling me about some issues that he's dealing with. And he's going back to Lethal Weapon. And he had told me before that he didn't know if he was going to go back to Lethal Weapon and blah, blah. But he is going back to Lethal Weapon. And I said, Lethal Weapon is not a movie without you. And we began to talk about the issues and what Hollywood is really about and what it means for Black people. And he was talking about how people are thinking or how they think of privilege. And it, it, it shoots them in the foot. And he also mentioned that, and this is not for the public yet, he also mentioned that Chris Rock may have a role in the upcoming lethal weapon. And I asked him, had he heard the apology that came from Will Smith? And he said, no, he hadn't heard it. So we talked about what was going on with Will Smith and we both agreed on several things. And the fact that Will Smith is now saying that he has issues and we all have issues. And by the same token, we all have to make a decision about how we handle those issues. And if you can stop and look around, it brings me to tears because we all have issues. And some people think that they can deal with the issues the way they choose to. No, you can't. No, you can't. You're not on this planet by yourself. And anything that you deal with will impact someone else. It ain't like you're going to crawl in a hole and go nowhere. That's not going to happen. So your issues become everybody else's issues. Yesterday, during the farmer's market in Hollywood, a white man decided to load up his pistol and start shooting into the crowd. And they show this man up on the second, third, fourth floor where he's outside of the window just unloading his pistol. He's got issues. And they finally arrested him with issues. The man that did the stabbing stabbed the 26-year-old girl 26 times. And he is not able to go to the preliminary hearing because he has issues, because he had an outburst. Because he has issues. In my family, we have issues. In your family, you have issues. In Danny Glover's family, he has issues. In Biden's family, they have issues. Nobody is left unscathed. But what makes the difference is how we choose to handle those issues. Because everybody got them. How do we handle them? 
And there was a time back in a day where people don't like to reflect on those days, especially when it comes to what we know, because we've been here longer. And there are generations that say, my generation is irrelevant. Well, you keep thinking that. You keep thinking that. Thus, your issues. Because if we don't deal with the issues that everybody has, and the issues are one, systemic. The issues are two, man-made. We create some of them. Three, the issues are because we don't know what's going on in the world. The issues are that we're all missing something. We're all missing something. We all are dealing with what did not happen in our childhood or what happened in our childhood that have not been dealt with. So we all have issues and we should be in conversation about how we can fix and repair, come up with solutions, how we can resolve them. And it ain't through TikTok. It is not through social media. I don't care well, what any millennial says. It is not through social media. That's part of the problem. Well, I look at it this way. The biggest thing, and I'm going to speak directly with the black community because I know all the communities are dealing with this. And I'm going to speak from my perspective of growing up. It was something that was swept under the rug and not talked about when people had mental issues. Like um, some of the stories I always think about is when I find out much later, you know, that, you know, I had a cousin that was, you know, sexually molested by, by her father, right? And everybody kept it under wraps. But nobody really addressed the girl who has to still deal with her father, still has to love on him as he gets older, whether he's forgiven her or not. Still got to be around her because the family knows what's going on, but nobody's talking about it or even willing to get her help to deal with it or get him help with his sexual, you know, desires or issues that he had to, to, to want to, you know, do that with his daughter. And it's been so hush in the black community that it's been, you know, to talk to a therapist or a psychologist to let people in to those issues you know, it's almost like uh, uh, similar to what they call snitching in the hood, right? You know, you, you, you're you basically snitching. And my first thought is, well, if snitching is going to help, why not tell somebody? There, there's just too many issues that, that, that happen that we don't address because of these outdated thoughts that's been going on. And, and Colette, to your point, when they talk about your generation being irrelevant, it's not so much that it's irrelevant. I don't think with the millennials, it just, for them, it has not been explained to how it applies to them. Not that it's irrelevant. What they see is they've grown up in a technology age of the TikTok, of Instagram, of YouTube, of ex quick access, right? And we didn't grow, I mean, I didn't grow up like that. And Colette, you grew up even less than I did with the access of elect, you know, electronic advances or the internet. 
You know, I, I grew up still going to the library, right? Most millennials don't go to the library. They download an audio book, right? If they want to read it or they'll download a book on their Kindle and read it. So when they say outdated, they don't realize that when they talk about being outdated, all it is is an updated version of what's already happening. They don't realize that this nothing new happens under the sun. God has had this through every religious text that you can read about talks about everything we're dealing with now. They had technology back then. It may not have been electricity, but we didn't invent the wheel in this day and age. We didn't invent the pulley and lever. Thanks. We didn't invent, you know, um, you know, the plows to do fields and the manual labor. All it did was advance to make it simpler and more convenient. And I think what's going on with millennials these days or the newer kids is that they don't necessarily relate because they didn't have to go through the um, the archaic version of life where you, uh, uh, you know, you couldn't call an Uber or a taxi. You'd have to wave them down. They didn't go through that uh, area of the only place that delivered food to your house was the pizza joint. If you wanted to eat, you had to go to that restaurant. You had to go visit and pick up the food from that restaurant. They weren't there where if you wanted to go buy a new TV, you could search online first, find the best price put an order in it and it comes to your doorstep. They did not have that appreciation for the work that it took to research and find out what's going on. So when they are speaking from, because I deal with youth all the time, when they're speaking of that point of certain age groups being irrelevant, some of that, and this is my personal opinion, is not finding a balance because the youth are so far advanced when it comes to technology that they, they're teaching 60, 70 and 80 year old people how to work a phone or how to do the internet or how to send emails, et cetera, et cetera. And then the older people are looking at this kid like, Oh, you're so smart with this, but why don't you understand the basics of opening up a checking account or the basis of being able to plant your own garden, right? Because there's, there's that disconnect that happened. And I'm going to say it's probably in my generation because we were the mesh of both. We were the mesh of the old school, archaic way of doing things where we picked up a phone book or we had a landline or a rotary dial phone with a long cord, you know, and my generation got put into the, you know, uh, uh, being the first generation of having cell phones that were mainstream, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, having phones that were cordless where we can walk outside and have conversations on a phone to usher us into when I got to college, having an email and websites to go to and being able to look things up, even though it was all wrong and it was test. Our, our age group was in that having the last generation of being outside riding a bike with no GPS, you know, having to beat the streetlights in to having you know, uh, full access to it. And we haven't closed that gap between what I like to call grandkids and grandparents. And when that happens, that breeds an unhealthiness in the society. It breeds an unhealthiness because my generation was trying to find balance between not being so old and not being so far ahead that we're unable to teach our children past necessities that they need. We were so taught to, hey, look, I want a better life for my kid. And I'm going to use this example and then, then, then I'll let you speak, uh, uh, Colette. 
Um, because my generation, you know, we wanted to be better than the, not the previous generation, but our parents always wanted us to be better than them, right? And so I grew up in a neighborhood um, that was nicknamed Big Root back in the late 80s and 90s because they would call it um, Chicago, Iraq, right? Or Chirac at that time. And there was a lot of wars going on that part of the 90s. And there was a lot of wars and drugs and things going on in my neighborhood. And so uh, we got nicknamed, you know, Beirut because we was in there fighting like it was a war itself, even though it wasn't on that level. And I, I told myself that I did not want to live around that or raise children around that. And what happened was is that I forgot to take away the lessons that were taught being in with helicopters flying overhead, police rooming down your street. You know, I myself being arrested as a juvenile, spending the year juvenile detention, you know, for being for, for, for being a knucklehead, as my, my uncles would call it. And I wanted so bad for my children not to have to experience crackheads, experience cocaine drug dealing, experience uh, of watching a friend get shot on the, the, the stairs of the high school as you're leaving the high school or a friend to get shot on the basketball court or witness a drive-by, be in a drive-by. I so did not want that for my children to the point that I removed myself from that and forgot to give them the bare necessities of living from that environment that I learned. That, that environment shaped me to be relentless. It shaped me to be undeniable. It shaped me to be very honest and direct. It shaped me to not, not be, 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 be afraid of just about anything, right? You know, fear didn't exist because every time I walked out my door, I could have been shot. I mean, my father almost, you know, put me in military school. And a lot of people don't know this story. I don't even think I've been, I didn't tell some of my closest friends this story. But um, when I was 16, um, there was a drive-by that was done to my house specifically. This was shortly after I got out of juvenile detention. And uh, nobody was hit. You know, my father was actually at work. I was at home, but <clears throat> we had a two-story house. So I was upstairs. And of course, it shot out all the downstairs and my father was like oh yeah I'm getting rid of you you know you got people shooting at my house you know and, and it was me I, I'm not going to say you know it wasn't at that time I was like dad I don't know who they were shooting at it could have been anything you know but I had a good feeling that it was because of me running in the streets now I wasn't a drug dealer but you know I, I, I did some things that 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 I shouldn't have right and so when I left that environment, moved to Texas and took my scholarship for college here in Texas, I pretty much left all that there. And as I brought up my children, you know, uh, we lived in, first we lived in Mesquite and then we moved from Mesquite to Richardson. So anybody knows anything about the Metroplex, you know, Richardson, Texas is uh, predominantly a white neighborhood. Um, it's got, it's in the top, the, all four high schools are in the top 500 at least they were back then, top 500 best high schools and districts in the nation at the time. So I was thinking future, but I didn't teach my kids hood etiquette, hood code, survival mode, if you will. And they knew I was from the hood. 
they, they, they daddy talked about it all the time. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm just a hood cat trying to not have my kids be hood, have my kids to be people that didn't have to deal with that. And that disconnect between, you know, my, cause my father was 85, so we were 43 years apart. So, you know, having to disconnect with my father, who's like a grandfather in age, and, and, and his father, and then my children, we never closed that gap to have a more balanced kid. And that's why the millennials, in my opinion, are saying that, you know, the older generation, the 70 plus, you know, are, are outdated for them. It's like 60 plus. But, you know, the 70 plus is, is, is irrelevant because my generation, when we raised these kids, we didn't instill some of those things from the past. Now, I'm going to speak for everybody, but the vast majority of us, because we all wanted something different and better and was willing to shelter what we learned as youth to provide more for these kids. And then the Internet just kind of just made them waste away. You know, if you will, because they made it so easy and adaptable. I mean, there's kids making millions of dollars by starting online shops. There is no excuse these days. So, uh, Colette, I'm I'm, going to let you go because I got probably about 15 more minutes of what I was going to say. And I'm probably not going to stop because I'm on the roll. So, uh, Colette, go go right ahead. And then, then Kiana, I see you as well. Right. And I I want her to say that, too. But I want to say this in two parts. And the first is being irrelevant. It's, it is a thing where you, it, it comes with, with, uh, privilege and it comes with the microwave generation. And my daughter has said that my generation is irrelevant. Nothing is the way things were, but what that generation, and she's a millennial, what that generation fails to understand is that they're here because of my generation, first thing. Second thing is that to say that my generation, the baby boomers, don't have anything to offer, that is one out of fear, two out of ignorance, three, unable to reach back, unable to think that there was anything that came before them or you. When my granddaughter was expecting, I'm sorry, not my granddaughter, my daughter, when my daughter was expecting, she had an issue with uh, going to the hospital a couple of times. And there was one time that she was really doing poorly and she was having a hard time explaining to the doctor what was going on. So as a baby boomer, as a mother, I stepped in and began to tell the doctor what was going on. And she said, I can talk. I can tell the doctor what's going on. Well, she couldn't. She couldn't get it out. Well, the doctor turns to me and says, "Uh, has there been any issue before? I said, no. So it went on. And, And before the doctor could finish with this process, I had to take her outside and remind her that I gave birth to her and that I knew more about childbirth than she knew at this point. And she's not the only one. She is not the only one. And what has happened up to this point is that there are, there is a huge 
huge disparities in healthcare because we, the baby boomers, have stepped away. We stepped back and we gave the reins to the millennials and the Gen Xers because they know more, because they know how to do this. They know how to handle it without us. So we don't tell them anything because all of the questions can be answered online. You got a phone, use it. Look it up. Don't ask me. Look it up. How can you do this on your own without me? You don't need the baby boomers because we are irrelevant. And with my daughter specifically, she had a very hard time. She had a very hard time. Not only did she have a hard time, but the doctor and the doula that she had had her waiting an additional two weeks before she went to the hospital. If I had not insisted on her going to the hospital when I did, she would have been in grave danger. But the the new doctors and her doula kept telling her that she wasn't ready. They were going to wait to see how things went for an additional two weeks. She couldn't wait another day. As it was, she had to have a C-section. So my point to all of that is that a lot of this has come because technology has taken over. Even in my classes, in teaching teachers how to teach the social emotional learning, that piece, I've had to say, you know what, you're dealing with technology. I didn't deal with technology when I came up. I didn't deal with technology until the late 80s, early 90s. And at that time, technology didn't take over. But now technology runs everything. So nobody has to listen to the elders because they can go search it up. They can go search. And (laughs) I'm telling you, Nine times out of ten, that's the wrong road. Because yeah, I mean that's the wrong approach. I mean, when I look at the internet and and, and technology yes. now, it it has changed the, yes, the mental has. mind frame yes, of these youth. Yes, and, it has. And I personally think, um, you know, when you're dealing with, um, you know, radio waves, electronic waves, you know, things that come from your cell phone and electronics, staring at a screen. I mean, they even do studies about you know people that work in offices and stare at the computer screen all day. They talk about, you know, how the posture changed, how the mentality changed. Damage is done, yes. Right, so it's 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 a, quite a bit of that is causing some of these mental triggers for these yes. youth to really just, yes. you know, do, do, do some of the craziest things. Kiana, you had a comment? Hey, yeah, I was just going to chime in on this discussion. Um, regarding technology and it taking over, uh, I think... Uh, technology has aided industry to take over because everything ends, starts and ends with money. So capitalism needs to, it needs your attention at all times. And so technology and the ability to just, you know, over, overly activate your thumbs and find anything that you want, um, yeah, that has happened, but it hasn't happened. It happened because of industry. Um, and I think subsequent to that, uh, what you have is a population of people, no matter their age or gender or whatever 
whatever demographic you want to assign a person. Or pronouns. You know, I got you. Pro, yeah. If you have a pulse, you're part of the industry. And they want your attention sun up to sun up again. And I think sub- subsequent to that, you do have um, people in general who turn to technology for answers. It's not just millennials. It's not just Xers or Xennials or anybody else. There are doctors who go online to try to help you. In the, in the doctor's office, they pull up WebMD or they pull up anything. Yes, Mechan- they do. Mechanics. Okay. Mechanics get online, and uh, I watched a mechanic working on my on my car pull up YouTube to try to see what how to fix my car. So, but to that also, when we talk about libraries, well, the same information that is in a library is now actually found online. So while we have libraries, and quite frankly, there's a huge pocket of millennials that absolutely go to libraries, and let's talk about how most libraries are on college campuses. So, yeah, they're using libraries. And libraries have computers. They also have books. There's also books that you can buy online, both physical and digital. So the physical world has not gone away, but it has become largely digitized. So It has evolved to a digitization. It definitely has evolved, and neither one of those is neither good nor bad. How each individual uses those components, be it paper or digital, that makes the difference. Every individual uses everything. If someone wants to use a stapler to harm somebody, then that doesn't mean the stapler is bad. That means that person is using the stapler to do bad things. Right. So it's, it's, there's nothing really inherently wrong with either one of those tools, a book or an iPhone, Inherently, nothing wrong with either one of them. Now, you want to talk about radio waves? Yeah, take the phone away for a little while. Get your eyes back right. Um, a book it is just fine. However, something that has happened, minus technology, but through industry, is the family separation. So, no, you don't have kids sitting at their grandparents and great-grandparents and parents' feet anymore. Why? Because mommy and yep. daddy are at work. Grandma and grandpa, if they're still alive, are at the house at work with the too. kids. Or they're at work. Who's around? Yeah, most me? grandparents. I mean, you, even if you look at the younger grandparents, you know that that they had kids young and their kids was young. You know, you can't drop your kid off with with the thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty nine year old grandmama because she at work. She's not retired at home like 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 it used to be. But also, where, even if she's seventy you know, years old, she still has to work. Yeah, a lot of times. So grandma know, has to work at seventy years old. Grandma's not at, no. at the house cooking, and neither is and the great grandmother. Where is she? Probably, not, probably deceased. Our families, our family units, have been torn apart at the molecular level. So it's not that this generation or that generation doesn't want us or thinks we're irrelevant. No, they're busy surviving the constant changes that happen around them every single day. They're busy trying to spin this hamster wheel. Faster and faster and faster. Otherwise, they're going to trip and fall on their face. And grandma and grandpa are standing next to them on that same hamster wheel, trying to keep up. Yeah. So it's it all begins somewhere. It all begins somewhere, and that's the part that should be understood because it all begins somewhere. So where did it begin? And we have oh, to it began, industry. Yeah. So it oh, so it, be, it, be, it, be, it, uh, it began 
before your generation. Right. It, it, it did because in my the industrial age what? when that took off. Oh my, man, the industrial my, age yeah, killed everything. In my generation, in my generation, we were told that we were coming to this. We were told. I remember very clearly the men from the community, they were at our house talking to us about the things that were on the horizon. So it was not new to me because we were already introduced to it. And we never took the position that that was coming and that was going to be our way of life. But we have had to succumb to a new way of life. So yeah, it's the industry. Yes, it is molecular. And yes, it's based on capitalism and it's based on the monetary uh, devaluing of life because we rely wholeheartedly on, as you said, our jobs, our money, everything else comes later. So we have lost humanity. And there's no denying that we have lost humanity. You have to understand from whence we came. Where did we come from? Our humanity is no longer important. So just as you said, the computer is something that we rely on because doctors use it too. Of course they do. Absolutely. You don't go to bed without a computer. You don't get up without a computer. You don't drive without a computer. You don't eat without a computer. Everything is done on a computer. It's not the choice of the populace. It's industry. That is is now, that is the way of life. It's industry that has, it's industry. So because it is a way of life, it is a part of the industry. So you don't go to a restaurant anymore. You can order your food as you sit at the table via their computer system. You pay via their computer system. You go to the doctor via their computer system. Everything is on a computer. Everything is digitized. You don't touch, talk, see, feel, because everything is digitized. Well, they did that on purpose because we'll we'll go back to the the industrial age, right? When, When they started really introducing a lot of technology, you know, prior to the industrial age, you know, families still farm their own stuff, right? Yes. They didn't have yes. uh, trucks that brought in their food. You know, they, if they went down to market, well, actually, they didn't go down to market. <clears throat> they actually, you know, bartered and traded with other farmers that was in the neighborhood. You know, industrial age comes in and it makes everything big and factories, and we can start cranking out all this stuff faster, bigger, and stronger. And what they did was is they incorporated it with it as to – incorporated in society as being a normal, not a new norm per se, just an alternative normal to doing your own farming, taking care of your own horses, you know, giving food to your neighbor. You know, I I grow tomatoes and um, I grow tomatoes and you grow onions, let's trade because we, you know, needed both. What they did was is like Kiana said, the industry found a way to capitalize on society's, uh, you know, ability of convenience, right? Because all the industrial age did was offer convenience, right? It went from having to ride a horse for two days to get from Phoenix to, you know, LA or or from Dallas to Houston to taking a train, to going from taking a train to riding in a car, to going from riding in a car 
to flying in a plane, you know, or taking a, uh, you know, a cruise ship or a boat to get to these different places. And what happens is, and I've said this several times, we've become such a society of convenience yep. that it has crippled us in so many different ways. Like you understand with the industry, because see, now they can track everything we do, which reverts back to the monetary portion. So, because all they're really doing is finding where we pay our money and then be able to direct what 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 I like or what you like, you know, to the you know, to the money. It wasn't it, it was kind of convenient to create delivery apps where I don't have to go to, you know, go to a restaurant and pick up the food, but it was really to get the analytics. It has less to do with, you know, the restaurant or creating the platform. It has more to do with how can I track everything that you do? GPS tracks everything that you do, where you go. You know, uh, um, when you're surfing on your phone or on your laptop, if you have them connected in any capacity, basically, if you have Gmail and you use Google search on your computer and on your phone, they are linked, whether you link them or not, right? Whatever you go to, it pulls up algorithms that says, okay, you know, Colette likes likes to, you know, eat at this restaurant. You know, Kiana likes to shop at this store. You know, Andre likes to go to this particular park. And then you find things that are nearby. It's it's all been a way of training us, fashioning us, and molding us to the society that they want to control. And, Kiana, you had made a point earlier about, you know, uh, about the industry changing right, that, that, you know, it's a balance with the technology and still having physical, well, we all still have a choice. And as, as, as Colette said, both are still available. Both are still in abundance at this time. And so we have a choice. I always like to think about, um, there, there's uh, a character by the name of Jack Reacher. I don't know if you've ever read the, the Reacher book series. I can't remember the name of the book series right now. But the, the Jack Reacher book series and the movies that has Tom Cruise in it, and then there's a television show on Amazon. And what I've enjoyed so much about, you know, watching Jack Reacher is the fact that Jack Reacher does not live with technology. He doesn't carry a cell phone. He doesn't have a credit card. He does have a bank account. Um, and he has his money when he gets paid Western Union to women. Then he goes cash the check. He doesn't have a car. He catches the bus. Um, if he has to take the plane because he, you know, he was special ops, former, uh, you know, military forces. I think he was a Green Beret and a Marine and a Navy SEAL, all this in his background. But he lives a very minimalist life. He wears the same clothes. All he does is has pajamas and he goes washes his clothes daily. Right. So it comes down to choice in that matter. Right. We can sit here and argue on both points. You know, once again, like I said, my generation is that is that gap. It's been that, that, that gap between, you know, the grandparents and the grandkids. Technology coming in changes, you know, a lot of things. But it comes down to choice. I chose not to teach my kids how I grew up. Had I had I grew, grew up, had I had adulted or parented my children in the same manner that I grew up, they may have that same fearless attitude that they have now, they see dad do it. They see dad persevere. And most of the time kids look at that more than what you say, but I could have taught them some more concrete, you know, uh, uh, street science, um, as we used to call it, 
right? Or, or, or street understanding or having the knowledge that is needed for you to function in any capacity on any level, right? And it was a choice, right? So we have a choice not to live in a lecture, uh, you know, uh, bound by technology. You know, I see, I see my elderly people do it all the time. My people that are 80 plus years old, you know, they still watch the regular TV news with an antenna on the floor model TV. They still get the paper, you know, tossed to them and sit in the front. You know, I got one older guy that smokes a pipe. He still goes down to the tobacco shop, you know, pays whatever price it is, stuffs his own tobacco, rolls his own cigarettes. You know, uh, uh, he still goes to, well, he doesn't go to Sears anymore, but, you know, he still goes to the store and buy his stuff. You know, when it comes down to it, it's all about you and your choice. You know, I, I just hope that we don't get to that uh, apocalyptic era of, if anybody's ever seen the movie, The Book of Eli, where people are fighting, fighting in the future to find books to read. That terrifies and there's a me. Bla- yeah. You, you, you know, and there's a blind man that has the Bible, but he is the book because he's memorized all of it because... And it's the last Bible. It's the last Bible. And he's the only one that can read it because nobody else can read Braille because we've lost all this stuff because technology and wars and this advancement and everything else. Just put that in perspective. Those people had to go back to, not go back to, because this is post-apocalyptic, so we're talking about after the technology boom. They had to go back to a living, uh, in a, a state of living that they had never experienced because they were not of that era. It's kind of like like now, if I think about all the electricity going out, right? How many people would be able to, you know, uh, uh, be able to create a fire or go plant some 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 uh, uh, fruits and vegetables in their yards and be able to cultivate it and be able to eat in three to six months or stuff that takes like seven days to grow, right? You know, I just I just wonder about that whole disconnect that's happening, and it's it's the it, it's. I can't you think of the right words. Give me a moment. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I see you put your hands up. Uh, yeah, I was going to offer happening, Andre. We don't stop it from happening. We don't take back from whence we came. We continue on with it, and we find reason to legitimize it, to say that it's it's good for us. I was going to offer some hope. There are. Um... I know for me and a lot of people that I know, um, there are a whole bunch of people of every age who are relearning some very, very, very important skills. Um, I know I have a friend, a former coworker, who has, um, he was a producer at my radio station, and he left radio entirely and went into um, becoming an electrician. And... I have been learning about learning how to uh, build a radio from scratch. It's a hell of a task, but I'm I'm going for it. Um, but also, I know how to sew. I know how to knit. I'm learning. Uh, I will eventually learn how to crochet. But I know a ton of people that crochet. Um, I know a bunch of people who eat from their own yards. They grow food in abundance. Um, I haven't found anyone yet, and out here it's illegal to collect rainwater, as it is in a lot of places. Um, but I tried to sneak and do it, and fortunately the rain stopped. Um, but I, I do know um, of some people who have 
found a way to to on their own property use what's called gray water so the water that they use in their home recycling that on their own property now that's a bit of a daunting task because they're connected to the water company and what's going to end up happening is if they keep doing that the water company is going to sniff out the the less and less use of the water they're going to come around questioning so they found a way to scale back their water consumption without being noticed so in other words they continue using gray water they they don't bring in harsh chemicals into their house they wash their body their clothes their dishes and, and everything um, with things that they can safely cycle out or filter out of their water and reuse that water. They call it gray water because it doesn't come to, because it's water that they've used. And that's also something that is being used in industry. Uh, entire, uh, what do you call it, those islands in the middle of streets? Those are, you'll have some with a sign that say gray water is used, which means it's just locally recycled water. Um, um, but the all of these things are being learned. And so I, I think there is some hope for for everybody. Um, and a yeah. lot of these these I agree. these things that we learned, the things that we know from the past that are essential to life, knowing how to identify a walnut tree or any kind of a tree or plant, knowing what coffee looks like when it's grown, you know, instead of just you know at the, what it looks like at the store. But right. these are the kinds of things that if we really dig deep. We know that the knowing will come back to us if we actually stop and give ourselves the chance, give ourselves the chance to know it again. Get to the silent place, the quiet place where you let that knowledge come into your awareness, come in and your consciousness. And you'll, you'll, and start tinkering around and things will come to you. That's how the very first of our ancestor, that's how they learned. That's how they learned. And that is ingrained in us. That is, um, that's millions and millions, hundreds. Maybe thousands of I, I don't know how old it is, but it's ageless that the knowledge of the, the planet on which you live is ageless. So if we give ourselves the chance that will come back to us if we decide to focus on learning. And that's really well, I, all that it takes choice, like you said. It's and just choice. And Kiana, I'll tell you this, if it makes you feel any better, it's not illegal in Texas to collect rainwater. I might be. Just but, um, I might be. Moving I just want tonight. to put that out there since you, right, right. you know, you love California, and I be trying to tell. No, I don't Texas, necessarily. I don't necessarily you know, love any Texas place. Texas is, is the is you know one of the best places to do just about anything. It's not illegal to collect rainwater here. Matter of fact, I have a friend that has a company um, that does hydroponic and agroponic growing. And so it's a self-contained unit. I think I talked about this maybe like, I don't know, early in the shows. Uh, it's a it's self-contained greenhouse that grows food without, you know, dirt hydroponically, right? And uh, it uses the recycled rainwater, and it also uses solar panels. Mm-hmm. So it's completely self-contained. And um, one of the experiments during February of the, the, um, the, the horrible freeze that happened in Texas, yeah. uh, snow that happened, well, he had uh, several of his greenhouses that didn't lose any food and was able to give, you know, 30 to 60 pounds to different neighborhoods uh, from it because it had stored up enough solar energy and all the water that was stored up inside of his greenhouse. It was still 96 degrees, even with the snow falling on top of the greenhouse, things like that, because all of it was self-contained and he's yeah. not attached to the city. Yeah. So he's not taking any water away from them. So when you say there is hope, yeah, 
I've seen the hope in action because when I went and physically saw that myself after the the freezing here in Texas, the only thing I thought was, I said, you know what? I want to come up with something where we can put a, a, a similar, smaller version in the backyards of many people in many neighborhoods. I call it the Community Neighbors Project. Yeah. Well, we could put that in backyards where people are growing some of their own food, whatever they can grow agroponically or hydroponically in there, and get back to that system of exchanging with mm-hmm. one another. Mm-hmm. Where, Kiana, you live next door to me, and you grow green beans, and I grow watermelons. Well, I want to have green beans tonight, and you want watermelons. Mm-hmm. You know, or you want apples, and I want peaches. And when we get to those points where we're going to have these food droughts that are coming because of, you know, uh, inflation and everything else. Those are orchestrated. Uh, they're created. You know, they're already here, technically. Yeah. But I want to be able to, you know, go to my next door neighbor and, and say, hey, you know what? I got a bushel of peaches. Can I get a bushel of apples? Because I'm allergic to peaches, but I know your family loves them. And it's going to do two things in that. One, it's going to get people back to that essence of farming and doing things with their hands and really understanding and respecting nature mm-hmm. to the point where we could grow our own stuff. We don't always have to run to the supermarket of convenience. And number two, it's going to build that sense of community once again with neighbors that are you know, on the same block for 20 years, but never talk to each other, never interact with each other, right. maybe wave at each other when they get out of the car okay. or when they you know pull into their driveway, but actually going back and forth to each other, maybe want to start breaking bread exchanging food with one another and sitting down and having these conversations. So, Kiana, you're absolutely right. There is hope. This isn't desolate. I don't want anybody listening to this to think that, you know, this conversation we had today was, uh, you know, of just, you know, doom and gloom and brimstone. This was actually a conversation for, for, for a few things. One, to wake up the listeners that are listening to this, that you have a choice to do something different. The matrix or the industry, as Kiana calls it, the matrix is set up in a certain manner for you to succeed or fail based on the choices that you make. You have to make the best choices for you. You have to make the best choices for you. I'm not even going to say for you and your family because if you're like me that have kids that's going to grow up and go away, those choices that I made for me, the family at the time, may have been the best but not necessarily the best for them. So look deep inside yourself. Everybody that's listening to this, think about the choices that you have made and the choices you're going to make for your place in society because you're here for a purpose and a reason. It's your job to find that purpose and a reason. It's your job to tap into that higher spiritual power to bring you balance and understanding because this is a spiritual warfare that we're having in a physical sense that's manifesting itself in an outward appearance that we like to call the matrix, right? So this inner warfare that's happening on a spiritual level manifests physically which you, when you get sick, when you get angry, when you get into a fight, when you do something to somebody, and then it manifests in globally because of where you're at in society. So the choices are yours. Thank you so much. This has been an incredible, incredible show. Colette, Kiana, thank you so much for chiming in today. We're going to continue this discussion because I didn't even get into what was on my list to talk about today. So this is definitely a discussion that's going to be continued. The mental health of, of, of our community and our society is completely important. So 
This has been Chef Dre Blast with the Recipe Menu Mondays on Intentional Talk Radio Network. I thank you so much. Have an incredible, incredible day. Download the podcast and the other podcasters. If you have any questions, go back to the front of the podcast. Get the uh, the text message number 682-710-1101. Ask questions even when we're offline. I thank you. I love you. And God bless. You have been listening to the Intentional Talk Radio Network with Chef Andre Blast right here on ITRN Radio, Menu Mondays. Thank you for joining us and get ready. We've got more shows coming to you this afternoon. You've got Mindful Mondays at 5 and we've got In Your Own Words with Dr. Godwin Orkay right after at 6. So come on back, folks. You've got some time to cool off. Come, come on back and join us this afternoon right here on ITRNRadio.com. Thank you for joining us.